What's up to all my freelancers, designers, and creatives? This is Nathan. Welcome to another episode of Freelance Jumpstart. And normally for this podcast, I am focused on creating audio, and then I have an accompanying video to that audio that's on YouTube. So if you're not aware of that, you can go to youtube.com slash Nathan Alote, or you can just go directly to my website, NathanAlote.com, and you can see that there's an audio component as well as a video component. For this episode, things are a little bit different. I actually recorded a live stream. So I hosted a live stream. People were listening from uh, all over the world. So here in the Americas, but also uh, overseas internationally as well. So people were all tuned in watching on that live stream. And I wanted to take you through all the things that we talked about on that live stream. Now, it was a very visual live stream because it was titled Five Ways to Transform Your Portfolio. And I was talking about a design portfolio that you may have, um, five quick tips of what you can do. But I first set the scene before getting to that point of explaining what the five tips were. So because that was very visual, um, I, you know, I was able to walk people through more easily the things that I'm about to tell you. And I was able to, you know, show them visually many examples and things that I'm talking about. So in this case for the audio, I'm just going to speak in a way to try to describe certain things. So if you want the full value, I would recommend actually watching that live stream and I'll paste that in the show notes, but I'll try to talk through all the things that we talked about during that live training so you can get the benefit of it as well. So pretty much I started by setting the scene of things. Of course I introduced who I was, but I wanted to set the scene of things. And if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you've heard this story, but I, I still wanted to tell it. So when I first started freelancing, um, I started noticing I wanted to change my positioning because I wasn't happy with the money I was receiving per projects, the different type of clients I was receiving. In other words, people would come to me and say, hey, I found this amazing website I would like to create. Um, I want to seek your skills on how to build it, but I don't have the same money or budget it probably costs. Nathan, can you help me build this thing? Of course, I would say yes and help them, but then I soon became known as the person who gave high quality for a low cost. So if you want to come to Nathan, he can give you a high quality website and you won't have to pay that much. It's going to be cheap, right? And I started noticing that you know, there are four types of people that were willing to pay for different services. There were give me a hookup people, people looking for a deal or discount, people who are opportunistic and people who pay for luxury and premium goods. Main difference is people who want a hookup are exactly what I was describing. Nathan, give me high quality for a low price. Hook me up. Or luxury premium. They're willing to pay a high price because they know and value quality and they don't mind how much it costs as long as they get results they're looking for. So a lot of my journey online has been pivoting from Nathan, give me a hookup to the luxury and premium type clients that I would like to receive. So the main thing that this brought to my attention is I wanted to know what are my skills worth? So the things that I produce, what are they really worth? And it was very hard to answer this question, but I did an experiment. I actually created a website for a client I charged them about $1,000. 
And then I took that website I built and showed it to other designers and agencies and asked them a question. So I found other agencies uh, in different parts of the country. Some of them were local to me here in Houston, Texas. Some of them were um, international. Some of them were, you know, on the other side of the U.S. And I asked them different, you know, questions. But I always ended the questioning with, I personally would like to get a quote from your company on creating a website like this. And I pointed them to the website that I built. And, you know, I pretty much got many different answers, but the three results that sum up everything is uh, design studios told me they'd be able to help me, but it would start at $5,000 and agencies told me they'd be able to help me, but it would start at $10,000. So this was the first time I realized what my work was worth because I charged somebody $1,000 and I thought I made $1,000, but really I missed out on $9,000 extra because I wasn't positioning myself up in the right way. I didn't have the right perception. These are other companies looking at my work and telling me to produce what I already built would cost $5,000, $10,000. So now I finally knew, wow, my work does have value and I need to actually capitalize on that value or at least get more value than $1,000. So this caused me to do what I like to call going undercover. So I ended up, you know, getting uh, different jobs as a freelancer. I ended up uh, getting a job in the professional arena and really just working with other agencies. So I, the companies that I worked for, started working with other agencies and I would just listen. I would just listen to how they were presenting themselves and how they came across and how they, uh, you know, quoted certain things. And I just was, you know, studying them and paying attention to their entire process. And through this, I started to wonder about a question. What's the difference between a freelancer, a consultant and an agency? This was a question that was on my mind. I was really curious to know, uh, what the difference was between a freelancer, a consultant, and an agency. I was a freelancer, so I know how that is. Um, I didn't. I started working with more consultants for my day job, and I started seeing how they carried themselves, how they quoted certain things, um, how they referred the company to different types of work. I just started paying attention to everything, and I pretty much picked up on a few things. And from that, I started seeing the creative process. Now, I went into the creative process in detail in episode 59 of Freelance Jumpstart Podcast. Um, I talked about specifically freelancer versus consultant versus agency. So I go into this in detail, but I'll be really quick. Long story short, the creative process involves planning and strategy, creating and developing, executing and production, and then analyzing and optimizing and then you start over to planning. So in other words, you plan out the strategy, you create the creative assets of what you need for the marketing campaign, you execute on that marketing campaign or you put it into action, you analyze whether or not it worked or not, and then you start over and plan and strategize again. And I personally noticed that these four principles or four quadrants, because really it's four quadrants of a larger rectangle that I have I noticed that in these quadrants, whether you're a consultant or a freelancer, you play in different quadrants. 
Consultants tended to be more in the planning, strategy, and analyzing area. Freelancers tended to be on creating, developing, and producing or executing. And then agencies tried to offer everything. So when we get back to the pricing issue of, I said I was charging $1,000, you know, web studios were charging a little more, and then you had agencies charging $10,000. The main difference was, as a freelancer, I was only thinking about what I was creating. I wasn't thinking about the planning, the strategy, the execution, or even analyzing of whether or not what I produced truly works for the client and it may need to be iterated upon. So I wasn't doing any of that. And that's where you see the difference in pricing because I was only playing in one quadrant instead of thinking of the other quadrants that exist. So really um, ask yourself, what are you? Are you a freelancer, a consultant, or an agency? And no matter which one or what category you fall into, you really have to ask yourself, is that where you wanna be? Is that the quadrant you wanna play in? And if you really wanna expand your skills and your services, you really have to start thinking about what can you add in these other quadrants to bring value to you know your service offering. So I, I learned from there, you know, I remember I quit calling myself a freelancer. So I no longer called myself a freelancer. I called myself a digital marketing consultant because that's really what I did. Um, I was able to offer a wide range of services just depending upon the needs of the project. So I didn't just call myself freelance web designer. I called myself um, a digital marketing consultant or a digital marketing strategist. And based on the strategy, I can do different things or refer you to different people to do the work. Now, in what I just mentioned, if you want to go deeper in any of those things, I would say look at episode 67 of Freelance Jumpstart Podcast called Never Call Yourself a Freelancer. And then the episode right after that is episode 68, where I talk about your job title matters. And it's a conversation I have with filmmaker Corey McCabe. And we're talking about how your job title really I guess you could say sets the scenery or sets the stage and the perception for how your client is going to interact with you. And we talked about why that's important. Uh, and we also talked about why you shouldn't call yourself your freelancer, but call yourself exactly the value of what you want to receive. So yeah, those two episodes expand upon those ideas. And it brings me to a quote I wanted to say from Chris Doe, who is the founder of an agency called Blind and a online learning academy called the future um, he said agencies sell the talent of their designers and really what chris is getting at is if you are a freelancer or a consultant or maybe you've even worked at an agency before or maybe you're thinking about creating your own agency or working at one really when you think about an agency they're only as good as the talent that they have so uh, i'll give an analogy like this let's say sports in the sporting world, and right now at the time of this recording, it's the NBA Finals, and it, Golden State is playing the Toronto Raptors. Now, these two teams are in the NBA Finals, and they have a lot of the top talent on their teams. However, any of these players could be traded somewhere, or they could move to another team, another franchise. So if they move to another franchise, does that mean... Golden State 
is the best team to invest in or Toronto Raptors is the best team to invest in or is it about the players? And the quote, agencies sell the talent of the designers, it's simply that agencies are only as good as their designers they have on staff or the designers that they're able to hire per project. You as a creative professional need to know about your talent. You need to know how to communicate the value of your talent because what agencies have done is they produce work and they get more work because people look at what they've done and say, wow, they're talented. Let me see if they can work on my project. But when you really drill down to it, it's not so much the agency. And yes, maybe they have a good process they've set up, but it's not so much the agency. It's more so whoever they assign to the project. So it's the talent. So you as a creative need to know that you're talented and it's one thing to be talented. It's a whole complete, another entirely different thing to communicate the value of your talent. And that was the whole point of me hosting that live training and talking about it. So really quick, I went through five things. I am going to talk through what those five things are very quickly and just kind of give you something to think about. Like I mentioned, you can watch the live training to get the full value, but I'll walk through that really quickly. Uh, the first way you can use to transform your portfolio is you can copy other agencies. So simply put, I mentioned agencies are only good as their talent and you can go look at some of the top agencies that exist in the world. Look at how they're presenting themselves and how they're positioning themselves to potential clients and literally just mimic that. Just mimic what they're doing. I keep saying mimic and copy. I don't mean copy their work verbatim. I don't mean take their design things and copy exactly what it is that they do. No, I mean you need to mimic the way they're presenting. I would say it like this. When I sat in those meetings at my day job and I saw other agencies came in, I needed to look at, okay, something simple. How are the people dressing for the meeting? Most of them came in suits and ties and, or, you know, they were business casual and they had a certain air about themselves. That's just a simple example. So that would mean, okay, if I'm working with certain clients, maybe I need to emulate how they dress and come in like that. I shouldn't come in a, a wife beater and jeans and flip-flops because they won't take me seriously. And this is a serious conversation. I need to dress for the occasion. That's a practical example, but one that you can easily copy is um, some of the top agencies that exist out there is one called Landor. There's another one called Pentagram. Go to their site and just look at how they're communicating, the words that they use, the client bases they have, how they present their case studies. Look at how they're doing so and mimic certain qualities. One thing that benefited me is this is how I was able to change my portfolio. Not only my portfolio, but also my proposals. My proposals used to be all text and say, this is what I could do for you. But I studied an agency blind in LA and their proposals are very visual. So now all of my proposals are very visual and I got instantly more respect from my clients in doing that. And all I did was mimic something that they did. I didn't copy them exactly. I just mimicked their behavior. The second tip is to show your process. Now for this, I have an example and I took this example from Samuel Hulick of useronboard.com. I also interviewed him for the Freelance Jumpstart Masterclass and he 
allowed me to use this graphic and we talked through it. He explained that people focus on the wrong thing when it comes to features versus benefits in referring to their product. So he used the example of Super Mario. If you ever played Super Mario Brothers for the Nintendo Entertainment System or on the computer or any type of GameCube or any type of game that exists, whether it be PlayStation, it doesn't matter, Nintendo Wii, Super Mario is pretty well known. And Mario is, you always start out as a depowered small person. And then you get some type of power up and you grow and you have more powers and skills or speed or whatever. So Mario on his own is limited, but when he gets a power up, he's awesome. And the way Sam describes it is your potential customer is Mario with no power ups. Now, the thing that you're offering, your product, your skill, your agency, whatever it might be, you're the power up. But what people tend to focus on is they talk about how good the power up is. They talk about how good their skills are or their agencies is, and they talk about how awesome they are. And it comes off as bragging. Don't do that. Focus on how awesome the person is after they've received your power up. In other words, talk about your client on where they could be and what they could be and what they could be doing in their business after they've teamed up with you. Focus on how awesome they would be. An example for me is um, if I'm even just talking to someone in conversation, I could say, oh, man, all the ideas that you explained to me sound perfect. I look forward to a day in the future where, you know, you have 100,000 followers and you're talking to hosting YouTube shows and, you know, people who are watching your YouTube shows are initially going to your online cart and they're purchasing uh, the different things that you're teaching on your YouTube channel. I'm talking more about their future state rather than how awesome my services are. Help someone visualize that and in your portfolio, you need to show what your process is. You need to show how the project became awesome almost from beginning to end. So you need to focus more on this is how things were prior to me getting involved. This is how things were after I was involved. So it's more of a before and after and also filling in the gaps in between the before and after to show how you got there. I think too many times as designers and creative professionals, we focus more on the end we just say before after and then we don't show the in-between because we want to keep the secret sauce we want to you know keep it in a black box and say you know that's our copyrighted you know trademarked process that nobody knows and really you're at a disadvantage if you do that things would work better if you're willing to pull back the curtain and show more of how your process really helps every step of the way. Now, if you don't know what your creative process is, again, um, that's why I would recommend checking out that episode where I talked about the creative process, uh, freelancer versus consultant versus agency, episode 59 of this podcast. If you don't have a creative process, go listen and watch that episode and then think about where you wanna play in the creative process and then talk about that. Um, talk about how your process produces results, but also show a little bit of that. For example, uh, the best way I can describe this is explaining your design decisions. I did a logo for a client, and uh, I, this is also an episode of Freelance Jumpstart. Man, there's a lot of episodes I've already talked about these things. 
So if you haven't like gone in the past and listened to a lot of the stuff I'm referring to, I would recommend doing that because a lot of things I've talked about previously that hit the nail on the head for what's going on today and that are really perfect in terms of still providing value. They're timeless. But what I'm thinking about is episode 39 of this podcast. It was called Speak Up For Your Work. And I talked about how I created a graphic for a client. And at first they really didn't get it. But then when I explained that the symbolism I used comes from mathematics and it shows something that is to be equal based upon a proof or a principle. And then when I explained that for the concept, it made perfect sense and they had nothing to combat my design decision. And too many times us as creative professionals don't explain our design decisions. So people don't understand why we did something. They don't understand why we chose a color, why we chose a certain font, why we chose a certain aesthetic, why we chose something to look this way. Even if you're a web designer, why did you lay it out like this? Why did you choose to do that? More than likely, you, you might have laid something out because on how it's going to react in mobile. But if someone only looks at it on their desktop in a first presentation, they won't get it. So then that means when presenting, show them this is the desktop version, but we also did that because this is the mobile version. And you can show them you're thinking through things they didn't even know should be thought about. That has value too. So that's the second tip. Show your process. First tip was copy of the agency. Second was to show your process. The third tip was to add visual storytelling. This is tip number three for transforming your portfolio. Visual storytelling. Simply put, basically, you need to add photography to your portfolio items, no matter if it's a logo, no matter if you're a writer or a copywriter or editor, no matter if you're a web designer like me. We tend to get focused too much on the technical things like, oh, here's a wireframe and here's like the website itself in its complete form. But we really should be using photography to set the scene. Somebody should be able to look at a few pictures in our portfolio and immediately get what we're trying to say. So maybe I create a website for someone and the website is focused on a restaurant. Now I can easily show them the page and they can see my work and say, oh, this is a restaurant website he created. There's a menu, but I can find pictures of food. If it's like a burger joint or something like that, or a burger restaurant, I can find pictures of different types of burgers that are similar to the company I produced the website for. And I can put that in my portfolio to set the scene so someone can see, oh, this is a restaurant that serves burgers. It doesn't have to be a specific picture from the restaurant, even though those are the best. It could just be a picture to set the scene. And I recommended in the live training that you go through a couple of questions to find out the best imagery to use. Ask yourself, where is it located? What do they do? Um, how do you feel when you uh, look at the particular picture and what items or things are usually there? So the process I talked about with visual storytelling was search for something on Google, ask yourself those questions. Where is it located? What do they do? How do they feel? What items are normally in the picture? And then use that to find different keywords to search for specific images. Uh, and again, I just gave you an example with the restaurant and burgers. That's a perfect example. I could probably find tons of food pictures on different stock photography websites. One of them I use, for example, is Unsplash. 
unsplash.com. I go there. I find a ton of different images that are free, royalty free that I can use in my projects, um, whether it be commercial or whether it be just personal. And I can search for those terms and find images I can add to my case studies, to my portfolio to help set the scene. So someone can just look at those pictures and already know what it's about and then get into the details of the process of what I have. Uh, tip number four for transforming your portfolio was using mockups. The whole commentary I had here was using mockups to further explain what you produced. So I mentioned I work as a web designer. So that means a lot of my mockups should be how does the website look like on a iMac? There's different mockups of iMacs I can utilize and put a screenshot of my website in those, whether it be an iMac desktop, whether it be a laptop, whether it be different mockups for mobile phones, if I'm trying to show the mobile version of the site. I don't need to just take a screenshot of the mobile version and present it to someone. I should take a screenshot of the mobile version and then put that screenshot in a mobile mockup of a cell phone and show what it looks like just to give somebody a realistic feel of that. The practical way to do this, I mean, you can literally pull up something that you designed or created on your phone and then take a picture of how it looks on your phone. But sometimes you may not have that at your disposal or you may not know how to take pictures that look awesome. So utilize a mock-up for that. Uh, there's many different places you can go. A couple of places I like is pixeden.com. And these will all be in the show notes, but pixeden.com, graphicriver.com graphicburger.com, creativemarket.com, smartmockup.com, yellowimages.com. And I'll put those in the show notes. Those are all places you can go to in order to utilize mockups. Let's say you create packaging for a, a bottling company. So it's, a, it's packaging for a can, right? And it's branding for a can or a soft drink. You don't want to just show a big rectangle of what that looks like. You want to show how that looks like on a can. But you don't have the money, maybe, or the time to print that out and wrap it around a can. There's mockups that exist, 3D mockups, that would allow you to put that branding on a soft drink on a can so you can see how it looks. And then you show that to the client. They get an idea, even though it's not yet physically real, they can at least visually see through mockups what it is that you're doing. This is great for different things like t-shirts and logos and putting it on letterhead or a mock-up of a business card or uh, put it on a hat or a, uh, you know, put it on a polo shirt, your logo on a polo shirt or on a different type of t-shirt just to show off the logo that it looks good in different mediums, right? And you can achieve all of that using mock-ups. And the fifth and final recommendation that I had is how people describe themselves in their about section. When they're talking about themselves as a brand or a company or something that they want to offer someone, you have to get away from bragging. I mentioned this a little bit in talking about uh, bragging about yourself rather than talking up the client when we looked at show your process. But for this tip, it's more so about how you're describing who you are. And there's four things that you should pay attention to when writing about yourself or your company. Uh, you should write about who you are, what you do, how you can help, 
and the impact your results have. Now, many things that I've seen and I've read online, they cover the first three, who you are, what you do, and how you can help. But they tend to neglect the last one, which is the impact your results have. So uh, a practical way I can talk about this is even in this podcast that I'm on, I can easily say, hi, my name is Nathan. I am a digital marketing consultant, designer, and podcaster, and I host the Freelance Jumpstart Podcast, which is an online resource that teaches designers the business side of freelance. What I just said is kind of cool, and it's literally only two sentences, but I didn't talk about the results at all, and if I add the results, it makes it that much more powerful. Hi, my name is Nathan. I'm a digital marketing consultant, designer, and podcaster. I'm also the host of the Freelance Jumpstart Podcast, which is an online resource that teaches designers the business side of freelance. Many people who are in the audience or listen to the podcast and have gone through my courses have been able to double their prices and in some cases triple their pricing and produce better results for their clients. So that little thing I added at the end, I just talked about, and I didn't even get into a different number. I just said double and triple. It's like, oh, okay, not only did you tell me what you do, you tell me that you actually have an impact on people. And I can get more detailed on what that impact is. You know, if I had my own business specifically, uh, my business, which is web design and a digital marketing strategy, you know, I can talk about a result I had for a company. I don't even have to mention the company's name. I can say something to the effect of, uh, you know, I help different clients out. For example, one client I had, they went from getting, you know, 100 visitors a month to 10,000 visitors a month and over the span of eight months. So, yeah, I help people produce results like that. I just told someone about a client I had without even giving their name. That helps with the level of intrigue. And we're not bragging because I already talked about who, who I am, what I do, and how I can help them. I just gave them an example of how they could be helped. So, yeah, those are the five tips. I mean, just to summarize them again, you know, copy or mimic other agencies, number one. Um, show your process, which is number two. Add visual storytelling, which is number three. Utilize mock-ups, which is number four, and you know, make sure you have an about section that highlights who you are, but also how you can help in the results, which is number five. So those are the five things we walk through on the live training. And uh, the last thing I mentioned, and there were a couple of questions people asked me, like I had a copywriter that was a part of the training, and they were thinking, hey, everything you said is great, but is it just for designers? No, everything I said could be used in the life of a copywriter as well. Because if you're a copywriter, many times you write things that are used in marketing campaigns. But you write those words and then you pass them off. You as a writer need to show what was the final product of what your words were used for. Was it used in a magazine ad? Was it used in a Facebook ad? Was it used on a landing page of a website? Whatever it was used for, you need to take screenshots of all of those things, put them in the mock-up and the medium it is. So if it was written for a magazine, I want to see what you wrote in a magazine layout, even if that's a mock-up of the particular magazine page, whatever it is. You can utilize the very same tips I talked about no matter what specialty or what skill you're working with. The last thing that I'll mention, and I mentioned this in the live training as well, is many things that I just talked about, these five quick tips, all of them relate to a resource that I'm building. So in other words, 
I've been studying my portfolio, comparing it to different agencies, seeing where I have different flaws. I reached out to different agencies and reached out to different creative professionals, asked them a ton of questions because I, I recognize that many people have a problem with creating their own portfolio. They equate a portfolio to just putting up anything that they've worked on. They equate portfolio to, let me just pull up certain cool things and somebody will see how cool it is and they'll work with me. That's not the best way to capitalize on your portfolio. Again, you need to compete with the agencies that are out there. And there's certain things these agencies are doing that most creative professionals are not doing at all in their portfolio. So how are you going to keep up with them? Really, this is two-sided. On one side is you need to show you're just as talented as any agency that exists. So once again, you need to show and present your work in a way that shows you're just as talented as any agencies. On the other side of things, you need to show your portfolio in a certain way because agencies hire different freelancers and you need to show them your work is just as good as theirs and you think in the same way as they think. So the agencies may hire you to work with their clients, right? So if you come at it from that angle, it's a little different. Now there's a higher chance of you getting hired by someone because there's potential clients looking for talent such as yours, but there's also agencies looking for talent such as yours. So the person you're trying to compete against, you really could cooperate with them um, and they don't have to be your competition. So the resource that I'm building that helps you focus on all of those things is actually called Behance Blueprint. It's called The Behance Blueprint, but the website is BehanceBlueprint.com. If you go to BehanceBlueprint.com right now, you have an opportunity to get on the launch list and save up to 40% on the resource. Not to mention, I give you a free lesson of the resource so you can kind of get a feel for how it is and what to expect. So again, I'm taking care of all the things I'm I talked about in this live training and just going deeper into the psychology as well as how you can practically utilize all these things to improve your portfolio today. Um, I call it the Behance Blueprint because Behance.net is a service that offers free portfolios and they get over 50 million website visitors a month. So you really could just sign up with them and you're like really have all the tools that you need to create a good portfolio. You just need to know how to go about doing so. And I want to show you what that how is. So I would recommend hopping on that launch list. I will make an announcement to everybody on the Freelance Jumpstart podcast. I'll probably have an announcement. If you're on my newsletter, The Humble Hustle, you'll definitely hear an announcement. But if you're on that launch list, you have an opportunity to save. Because of the immense value that I have going on with this resource, I probably won't discount it after I launch it because I'm already keeping the price um, in a reasonable range because I want people locally in the U.S. as well as internationally to be able to afford it. So I'm not going to make it too high, but at the same time, you know, once it's launched, I'm not discounting it again, you know, so um, at least not by this much. 40% is pretty amazing. So yeah, that's what I'm recommending at the moment. So yeah, that was the live training. I'd love to hear your feedback. Feel free to reach out to me. You can go to NathanLote.com. That's N-A-T-H-A-N-A-L-L-O-T-E-Y.com. You can go there. 
uh, contact me directly on my site. Let me know if any of these portfolio tips was helpful. If you're watching the live training, I do have a replay that is up. So you can rewatch the live training. Just leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you no matter where you are, no matter where you live. I'd love to hear anything that you've learned or anything that you would even like to see me talk about in the resource. Yeah, I'd love to hear about it. Yeah, just let me know and I can make that happen. Well, again, thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. I greatly appreciate it. As always, there are show notes for this particular episode. You can check out those show notes. And I just really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this episode a little longer than normal. But I can definitely say this podcast I just did um, is not as long as the live training. So I really just condensed many things that I talked about into, you know, just under uh, 40 minutes in this podcast. So, yeah, you get a chance. Feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. And again, uh, until the next one, I will catch you later. See you.